Have you ever had to calculate the cost of something? Maybe it's uh, something you were going to purchase. Maybe it was maybe it was a vacation you were going to go on, and you had to figure out what is it going to cost to do that. Certainly, you if you're traveling, you have to uh, account for travel expenses, whether it's fuel for your vehicle or uh, plane tickets. You have to pay for where you're lodging and and uh, going out to eat or, or bringing your own food, whatever that may be. Uh, you have to consider the possible time off from work. All of those things go into figuring out uh, what the cost will be for you. And maybe uh, you have uh, an extra consideration in that as well, where maybe the vacation you're going to take uh, long planned already ends up falling uh, when a... Uh, Somebody connected to you, probably not a, a, a close relative, but maybe a, a distant relative or a classmate, uh, one, somebody like that uh, passes away. And now you have to count the cost of, of whether or not it's worth taking that vacation because you won't be there for that. Or maybe there's another special event that you've been waiting for and there was no time set for it. And now that your vacation is scheduled, you have to determine whether or not you'd be willing to give up going to that. So the cost of it is, is more than just maybe meets the eye. There are peripheral things that you would have to take into account and say, is it still worth it? And so we're going to uh, enter into the text this morning from that mindset uh, and see what Jesus has to say in this ongoing story about being citizens of, members of the kingdom of God. We're going to do that today as we look at um, verses 23 through 31 of Mark chapter 10. This is on the heels of uh, Jesus speaking with the, the rich young man. At verse 23, And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to, them, said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. May God give us wisdom as we meditate on these words 
This morning, uh, what is the price of admission into the kingdom? Uh, we know when you go to the theater, you, you pay that price, and it's not the dollar something it used to be. Uh, and so even going to the theater these days, you have to consider whether or not it's, it's worth it. Uh, would you rather just wait till you can rent it or watch it, stream it or whatever? But Jesus is talking still about entering into the kingdom and, and what that takes. And he, he keeps coming at it from different angles so that we're, make, we're to make sure that we don't miss it. Uh, of all the things that you and I could miss, we don't want to miss what it takes to get into the kingdom. But Jesus is going to uh, address some of the misconceptions of money. Uh, they've been around for a long time. Uh, people's thoughts about money and, and, and what that means in the world and especially for those that find themselves under the umbrella of God and the covenant promises of God um, for a long time, uh, riches have been associated with God's favor. Uh, you can uh, recall several of the uh, God's people that were wealthy people. Abraham, David, Solomon, King Hezekiah. We've been reading about him recently. King Hezekiah was uh, very well blessed by God with an abundance Joseph, uh, put in charge of all of Pharaoh, king of Egypt's land, and even his household, and had everything at his disposal. Joseph was under God's favor and was, uh, to use it that way, richly blessed. There are other people in Scripture too. They are, they are not the only ones that we would associate um, riches and God's favor, uh, certainly uh, you might think of Job. Uh, when you look at the opening uh, lines of Job, it says there were born to Job seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. Uh, Job was rich uh, in every way. Uh, it says at the end of uh, the book of Job, that same, that same idea, after, after everything that Job went through, the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 female donkeys. We know Job to be this rich man, but the story of Job brings into question, uh, is riches part of uh, God's favor? Is that, the, is that what... Um, makes it evident. If you're rich, is that, is that evidence of God's favor? Or, or could you have one without the other? Uh, I think we know that to be true. There are lots of people in our world and lots of people throughout history, uh, people recorded in Scripture, that were very wealthy. They had all kinds of 
possessions or children's or lands and influence and power, and yet they were not godly people. And so there's been at times this misconception that comes out in the story of Job that because uh, Job is no longer, uh, it seems, under God's favor, that somehow uh, he's not right with God. Everybody would have thought so before when he was rich, and everybody knows so at the end when he's rich and wealthy again. But there's that time in between where uh, Job is uh, destitute, uh, lost it all, family, health, everything. And there's this question that comes to our minds then, is is our, our riches part of God's favor that we would naturally expect? Uh, in that story, uh, the devil picked up on this idea of uh, God's favor and riches being tied together, at least as far as following goes. Uh, Satan approached the Lord and said, does, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in land, but stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. Once he realizes that the blessings are all gone and he doesn't seem to have favor with God, he'll curse you. The only reason he's in favor with you and follows you is because you've blessed him. And you have this tension in the story of what riches uh, mean when it comes to God's people. Later in that book, too, at chapter 15, the, uh, as, as his friends are talking with him, they said, The wicked man writhes in pain all his days through all the years that are laid up for the ruthless. He will not be rich, and his wealth will not endure, nor will his possessions spread over the earth. Uh, they are they are considering Job to have fallen out of, clearly fallen out of favor with God. And the fact that uh, that is, he's not going to be rich. Uh, had he stayed in favor with God, if God's blessing was still on him, he might have riches and wealth. But because he's wicked, that won't be the case. And that's just part of the, the growing misconception that has been there uh, for a long time. The, the story of Job written... Uh, possibly around the time of uh, Abraham and the uh, the early covenant people, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the founding fathers of, of the people of Israel, that same time frame, uh, this is introduced, the story of Job. And in the midst of uh, the wealthy people of God, you have this one that stands in contrast to that. The disciples now also wrestle with this idea of money being part of God's favor for his people. There's, there's something in their own minds that they think, especially because uh, in the context here, Jesus has just addressed this very wealthy man, and now he's saying it's, it's difficult to be wealthy and enter the kingdom, and that it amazes them. They're... they're taken back by that. Didn't, didn't it always mean that riches and God's favor kind of went hand in hand? 
And so when, when Jesus says that it's difficult for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom, uh, it says they were amazed by that. Their understanding was just flipped upside down. And they, they are in this mindset of, that old mindset of riches in God's favor being interconnected. Jesus had already given his disciples uh, a little indication about money. You know, Jesus talks about money, uh, references money in, in different ways, an awful lot in his teachings, um, because it is so important for us to know that. That's why he brings these, these illustrations in there. Even when he was talking about the, the parable of the sower and the seeds, and there are those seeds that fall in the wrong place, and, they, and Jesus characterizes those that uh, receive the word in Mark 19, and it says the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Jesus had already let the people know that riches can really obscure even receiving the word, both the written word and the living word. And now he's saying it's really difficult to to get into the kingdom of God if you're wealthy. The strange thing is there are still plenty of cases where Wealthy people do. But Jesus wants to make it clear that it's, it's going to be difficult. Not, not just difficult, impossible. That's, that's where Jesus is bringing us. And we have to wrestle with that because two times in the, in the text, Jesus says it's, it's difficult. Children, how difficult it is. And so which is it? Is it, is it difficult or or is it impossible? Both, both words are used by Jesus. Twice he uses the word, it's difficult. The first time he speaks to his disciples, the uh, first answer he gives, he says, how difficult it is for people who have wealth to enter the kingdom. And they're amazed. And he says, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. How difficult it is. The second time Jesus says that, he, uh, in our text here, he, he leaves off the part about difficult for people with riches. Now that's still the context. Jesus is still speaking in the context of people that have money, but he's left that off. And this is where the, the difficulty comes, if you will. Uh, people think that it's that it's merely difficult to get into the kingdom if you have wealth. And that, that difficulty in understanding has led uh, some scribes to put back that phrase in here. And there are some translations that would put the phrase back in. It's difficult to enter for those that have wealth. And certainly Jesus has already said that. But I want us to consider the fact that um, what he said there is absolutely true. How difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. Riches or not. Now he's still speaking about riches, but he takes it to a different place now 
And when he says that, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom, they are not just amazed, they are exceedingly astonished. When Jesus uh, takes that connector out of there, not just people with wealth, but it's just difficult to get into the kingdom, first they were amazed. Now their level of amazement is just bewilderment. They're like going out of their minds trying to comprehend this. That's how strong the language is here. They can't even fathom what Jesus just said. If it was merely difficult, maybe you could succeed. Right? If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And maybe if your riches are are hindering you, keep trying. Just keep trying to get into the kingdom uh, while you take your riches with you and, and see how that works. If it meant merely just being difficult, there would leave this space for us to keep finding another way to enter the kingdom and keep our wealth. If that were the case. But it's not just difficult. Uh, it really is impossible. And, and Jesus says that. But, but I want us to understand what, what makes it impossible and not just difficult. Certainly there is a level of difficulty to that and Jesus is not contradicting himself and I'm not trying to make Jesus' words say anything other than what they are. He says twice it's difficult to get their attention and then he says it very plainly when it comes to getting into the kingdom with man, it's impossible. Wealth or not, you can't get into the kingdom on your own. It is impossible. With man, it is impossible to get in the kingdom, but not with God. But the reason that it's, that it's impossible and not just difficult is because of the relationship that God and money have to us. If, if we're following God, and I've used this before, if we're following God, we always go towards God in this direction. God is taking us this way, and he promises us peace and security. Uh, life. Protection. There's, there's a level of... of of joy, uh, a great level of joy in knowing that in following God, everything is, as Paul says, everything works out for our good. What makes it so that it's not difficult but impossible is that money does the exact same thing. But they're not parallel roads because money will take you exactly in the opposite direction as God does. And so in Scripture where it says you cannot serve both God and money, it's not just difficult, it's impossible. You cannot go in two directions at the same time. You have to commit yourself and follow this one or leave it and follow the other. Either way, it's impossible to do both. And so for the one who has possessions, there's a, a great stumbling block that they would need to overcome. And that's part of the the difficulty with money is that money by itself is, is not inherently evil. Money makes a great servant, but an awful master. Money promises you all the same things 
in many ways that God does, but it makes an awful master, and yet God gives us money to use so that it would be our servant, so that we could put our money to use and and bless other people with it. Having money is not the problem. It's when your money has you, and it controls you, and you're the servant to the money. That's where the difficulty comes in, and that's what makes it impossible to enter the kingdom if you're going to choose money. And it can't be God and money because they both go in different directions. And that's, that's true for the wealthy, God-fearing men and women of today. If, if, if any Christian today were confronted by Jesus with the same story that we heard from last week, you still lack one thing. Get rid of all your money. Get rid of it and follow me. That's that thing again. Leave your money here and come this way and follow me. Last week, the man went away sad because he had so much possessions. Actually, his possessions had him. He became slave to the wrong God. We, th- we think of, of difficult as uh, something that maybe we can still master. Uh, but Jesus, Jesus wants to uh, make that very clear. And he said it would, be, it would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Remind me to bring this back home, honey, so the next time you've got to fix something, you can. But uh, I'll show you what difficult is. A needle and thread. It's difficult, and it is for me, it's difficult to get that tiny thing. They do this, right? Because all those little frayed ends, you know, they just start to push open, so you lick it. And then you and you try to figure out if you're turning it the right way, or I got it sideways. Oh, see, so there's a way to get through it. If it's difficult, try it this way. Fold it over. Now you don't have the phrase, right? But if you'd keep trying. Aha! See? Difficult, but I did it. This is not what Jesus is saying. Difficulty is trying to get a camel through there. And there's been such misunderstanding about this idea of difficult or impossible that people without any evidence at all have said, well, the eye of the needle is a very small gate in Jerusalem. And what you would need to do to get that camel through the gate is unload everything that he carries. And this all sounds very biblical. Uh, Lay aside every weight and all the sin, you know, as Hebrews says. So if you would do all of that and get the thing down on his knees and he would crouch down through there, you could get him through. Uh, That doesn't hold up. There is no such gate. What Jesus really meant was the eye of a needle. Because that's impossible. The other way seems difficult. And that's not what Jesus is saying. He's using such extreme language here. The... What a master of of language. It would be easier to get a camel to go through here. I'd have a hard time getting a rope 
the same, just a bigger version of this. I couldn't get a rope through there. But Jesus says, you couldn't get a camel through here any easier than somebody that is possessed by their wealth to get into heaven. It isn't just difficult. It's impossible. And so, with all of the challenges there would be to get into the kingdom, the disciples have a question on their mind. Now, is, it, is it worth it all? As difficult as it truly is, and as impossible as it would be to try to do it on your own, is it even worth it? They said, see, we, we've left everything for you. And this is in contrast to the guy from last week. The rich man, the rich ruler. He still is possessed by what he owns, which is always the case with people that follow a false god. They make things out of metal and gems and wood and they can't do anything and they become like them. They're possessed by things that have no ability. We've left everything, they said. The rich man clung on to it. And so, what do we get? We've actually left it all. They're in contrast to the one who, who still wants to retain what he has. But they, they've left it all. We've left our families and our lands. And that's, the, that's what Jesus was trying to get the, the rich man from last time to do. Leave all of that. Put all of that stuff aside and follow me, he said. The disciples said, that's what we've done. And Jesus gives this a wonderful uh, promise of reward. There's not anybody who leaves family or land for my sake and for the sake of the gospel that isn't going to be richly rewarded for that. This is where you still get people that uh, fall into that uh, health and wealth, prosperity, gospel kind of thing. See, if we do that, we're going to get all of that in this life, it says. And, and later in, in life, it, when it's all said and done, we'll have eternal life. I don't believe Jesus is saying that. Jesus isn't saying, leave your, your family and your land and I'll give it back to you so you can have it again. It's, a, it's, a, it's an identity. When the disciples had to leave and follow Jesus, James and John left the family and the family business. All throughout Scripture, when, when we're going through all the readings, and we had to do it again today, we had to read the, the names of all these people again, and it gets rather tedious to read names, and we don't know how to pronounce them. And you see that this one was the son of that one, and this one was the son, and, and everything was um, associated to you by family. He belongs to this family, to that tribe, to this man and his family. And Jesus says, you need to leave your family and leave your land or whatever, because land is often what gives you the wealth. So in the prodigal son story, he divided up the land and he gave 
the wealth to the younger son. Uh, for, for James and John, their land would have been the fishing business. They were fishermen. Their, their, their family wealth came through that. So they're connected to their father and the father's business is what provides for them. I want you to leave that, Jesus says. Leave what you think to be family and treasure and be my child in my kingdom. And when we are able to say there's nothing more important than the mission of God and my family is not going to be true, Jesus is not saying I have to leave my wife and I'm going to be the pastor here without her. That's not at all what Jesus means by leaving family. It's that idea of leaving your association to what you think you have and joining what truly is there for us. You leave your identity from what you came into this world with naturally and the, and the possessions that you believe you have, and we do, and we're blessed by God by that, but, but set that aside and come into His family and His kingdom with all of His possessions. And when you do that, not only, even more so than with Job, Job got double. Job got double of everything he lost. Jesus was promising a hundredfold. You want to come into the family of God? It's not just a few more brothers and sisters. It's the whole lot of them. It's not just your little piece of land here or your business there. It's the entire kingdom of a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, whose city that's waiting to be revealed is, has streets made of gold. What you think you have here, set that aside. Notice uh, the qualifying words that Jesus uses. For my sake and the gospel. And that means there's a, there's a purpose to our leaving all of that as our identity. It's to make sure that we, we proclaim identity in Jesus and the riches of God, not the riches of this world which will perish and spoil and fade. But he says, for my sake and for the gospel, and one more, with persecution. Now this one would fly directly in the face of the health and wealth, prosperity types of teachings because what Jesus is saying, if you set aside what you have, that earthly wealth and that earthly identity, and you come into the heavenly kingdom with the heavenly riches, to do so is under, under my name, for the sake of the gospel, and it's going to be through persecution. No bones about it. He just makes sure that we understand that entrance into the kingdom comes with a cost. And we have to then decide if, if that's worth it. Certainly what he's promising, if you would take out a few of those words, certainly all of that is worth it. Leave all that. I'll give you a hundredfold more now in this life and eternal life later. You can, you can choose one or the other, but, but it's, this one comes not just as a package of riches and goodness. It comes with persecution. It comes with following Jesus. Paul pulls it all together 
um, in Romans 8, where Jesus, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, children, how difficult it is. Paul brings it about in this way. Verses 16 through 18, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Everything he's saying is exactly what Jesus is saying. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided provided we suffer with him in order that we would be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed in us. Is it worth it? Uh, Cling to what you think you have in this world. And Jesus would illustrate that in different ways too. Give them things to invest and when I come back, I'll take my return. And the one, you know, the one wicked servant, he just hid his money in the ground. Didn't do anything with it. He thought that we could just set it aside. He thought that if I just put it in a safe place. But there's, there's something about what Jesus wants us to leave behind in order that it would grow and become Uh, something far more substantial and not just in this life but throughout eternity. That's the price of admission into the kingdom of God. The good news is Jesus paid the cost at his own expense. You and I have entrance into the kingdom even if you have money and I see all of us do. Jesus paid the cost into, for entrance into the kingdom at his own cost. He, he did that in ways that would take us eternity to understand. But there is a cost for us. It's it's shifting our identity. It's shifting our focus from the world that's perishing and and all that we think we have, like the man who who put it in the ground, take it away. Whatever whatever even he has or what he thinks he has will be taken away from him. This this stuff doesn't last. But our cost is a setting aside of what we can see and feel for a hundredfold that. And it's going to happen in this life, but even more so in the life to come, as long as, as Jesus says, it'll come with persecutions. There were enough people that followed Jesus, and when the teachings got too hard, they stopped following Entrance into the kingdom, the, the, the price of admission isn't that you one time prayed a prayer or that you come here every week. The price of an admission isn't what you, what you can accomplish on your own at all. 
It's remaining faithful and following faithfully all the way through to the end and showing that you have left all of that behind for Jesus' sake. We have the easier part because Jesus has already passed through all of that persecution. He has already overcome the world. In this world, we're going to have trouble. There will be persecution. But as we follow Jesus, we follow the one who has already overcome it. There is no question of the guarantee of what awaits us, provided we keep following. The only question that there may be for us is if it's going to happen, is if we maintain following. You want to go a different direction? There, the only guarantee is that all of this perishes. And we would perish with it. And maybe it seems easy. Because with enough money, you may be able to get yourself out of persecution. If they're threatening your life, give them all of your wealth to spare yourself. This way, you go through the persecutions, but you maintain the wealth that God has to offer. You maintain the eternal eternal inheritance that He has for us. And it's never going to be lost. Jesus turns His world upside down nearly every time He speaks. And yet He wants to make sure that we are not misunderstanding at all. It's a good word for us today. And, And maybe for you and I, the thing you'd have to consider is yet being that man from last week. And that's the, maybe that's the, the test. Would you still set it all aside, whatever it is, to follow? Would you trust in Jesus? Would you depend on Him? Would you remain obedient to Him and continually follow Him? It's the same thing that Jesus wants from us as He did from them. And there is, as Jesus has promised, truly I say to you, and when Jesus says that, there is no doubt about it. If you do that, great is your reward in heaven. Let's pray. Our Father, we recognize that uh, sometimes it is difficult to to follow. It can be difficult at times to to lay aside the things that are so easy for us to hang on to, the things that seem to give us uh, such great comfort. in exchange for uh, what we don't see yet. Even though its promise is sure, we still need to believe that. And so, Father, we pray that You would give us eyes to see and hearts filled with faith to, to trust and depend and obey and follow You. And so take these words. Um, 
knit them deep within us so that whatever we might possess that would get in the way, we would set that aside for the sake of the gospel. Even through times of persecution and in Jesus' name. And so, Father, we we give ourselves to you, to that mission, to that promise, to that cause, to continue to spread the good news. And as we follow Jesus, following the one who set the example for us, who left everything, set aside all that he had to become one of us and to pave the way for us, may we follow him faithfully. And may we then, through all of that, hold on to that sure reward that we have. We give our lives to you again in service of the kingdom and in Jesus' name, amen.